Hi, everybody. Welcome to Lost Floors Church. We are continuing in a uh, pretty long sermon series. We've gone through Genesis, and now we're in the beginning of Exodus. And last week, we were introduced to Moses, and we actually left Moses at the burning bush. And so God was calling Moses to go back to Egypt to set the Israelite people free from slavery. They'd been in slavery for somewhere around 400 years. And so now God has showed up to Moses, who's now 80 years old, and said, it's now time for you to go back and help set these people free. Now Moses comes up with every excuse possible until God finally gets frustrated with him and just demands that he's going back. But he does give him some, some help. He gives him his brother Aaron. He gives him his staff that can turn into a snake. And then he says, okay, now you're going to go meet with the elders of Israel. So Exodus 3, verse 17 and 18 says, The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. And so... God's giving him this promise that you're going to go back and he will set the people free. Um, and then he also says, now tell them that you're going to go on a three-day journey to basically worship God. I, I don't fully understand that. I, I really don't. I don't quite get the fact why he promises that it's going to be this three-day journey instead of just saying, hey, let my people go. Uh, but we're going to discuss that a little bit later. And now we're going to just start to follow this legendary journey of Moses, at least the very beginning of it today. So they meet the elders of Israel. And in Exodus 4, 29 through 31, it says this, Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites. And Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people, and they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. So the elders are all in right here. They're like, finally. I mean, they are the end of generation after generation that has only known slavery. And Moses takes the staff, throws it down. They see that it turns into a snake. Moses picks it back up and it's a staff again. He shows them that he can turn water into blood. He shows them that his hand can go from leprosy to being cured. I mean, he, he shows them these things that God gave him. And, and the elders totally believe, and they actually begin to worship God. And, and I think they had continued to worship God, but, but I also believe that there's some doubt here in these Israelite leaders. Slaves, 400 years, they've been crying out to God and, and really haven't heard much. So now Moses and Aaron, they go to meet with Pharaoh. It says this in Exodus chapter 5. Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Again, there's this three-day go-out-and-come-back mentality that they're giving Pharaoh. But then Pharaoh says this, Who is the Lord that I should obey him? And let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. This is a key thing here that Pharaoh says, I, Who is this God you're talking about? I don't know this God. 
You see, Egypt had many gods. They had gods for almost every occasion. And they had all these gods, but he says, I don't know this god. This god hasn't done anything to impress me. His so-called people, they're slaves. So I don't know them, and I will not let them go. So that's where we're left. And then Moses and Aaron say, that's fine, Pharaoh, but you will be punished. This is what it says in Exodus 5.3. Then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. And so they give him this warning. You let us take this little three-day holiday, this little weekend, and man, if you don't, something bad's going to happen to you, or a lot bad is going to have to happen. But this makes Pharaoh actually very angry. He doesn't like to be threatened. You see, Pharaoh himself was seen as a god. And so he worships many gods, and then he himself is also a god. And you don't, you don't mess with a god, right? And so Pharaoh is angry. He accuses them of being lazy. It's like, you want to take a three-day weekend? We don't do that in Egypt. That's the United States. We love our three-day weekends, but they didn't have three-day weekends. They didn't have days off. And so he's saying, we have work to do. We don't have time for you to pack up all your people and leave for three days and then come back. In fact, the fact that you're even asking this, I'm going to make it even more difficult on the Israelites. And so he quit supplying straw, which they used in their bricks to make their bricks stronger. But they said, you still have to put straw in them. We're just not going to provide it anymore. And you still have to produce as many bricks as you were before. So now the Israelites had to not only make the bricks and do all this work, but now they had to scavenger all over finding their own straw. So they made things even worse. And so the Israelites now have things worse than before Moses and Aaron show up. And so Exodus 5, 20 and 21 says this, they found Moses and Aaron, this is the leaders of Israel, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. You've made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and, and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Uh, Moses is at a loss. It, it seems like he ran away uh, from Egypt because both the Israelites didn't like him and the Egyptians didn't like him. And now he comes back and the Israelites like him for a little bit, but now Pharaoh doesn't like him. Now the Israelite elders don't like him. I mean, Moses is is frustrated. So he goes to God with his frustration. And he says, why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? And is this why you sent me? Is this it? Just for me to come here and be frustrated. And so Moses is frustrated. Chapter 6, though, God responds to Moses with, once again, a promise of the covenant. And you know, remember the covenant was, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars. I'm going to give you this promised land, this land of Canaan. It's going to be yours, and eventually the whole world will be blessed through you. He reminds them of this covenant. And then he says, I need you to go back to Pharaoh, and you're going to demand that he let your people go or else. And so Moses goes back, and yet in Exodus 7, it says, yet Pharaoh's heart became hard, and he would not listen to them just as the Lord had said. And so here, 
Pharaoh is refusing. And it literally says that God hardens Pharaoh's heart because there's something more at play here, If, in my opinion. Because if God wanted them free, boom, like that, don't you think he could have done it? But, but I feel like there's something more happening here. And so let's, uh, let's start to walk through the steps now of punishment on Egypt and Pharaoh. It begins with the plague of blood. The Nile River, which is the life source for Egypt, turns to blood. Moses goes out and raises his staff over it, and boom, it turns to blood. And not only does it turn to blood, but the fish die. The stench is, is horrible. Even here in Southern California, we get the red tide as the water warms up. And it's kind of nasty. It smells. It, it's, it's not much fun to get in and surf in, although we still do. But, but it's, it's icky. But... The Nile is 10 times worse. I mean, this is horrible. They can't use the water. It, that, that's how they survive is on this Nile. So there, there's this panic. It, yet Pharaoh, he doesn't fully believe that this God of Israel is better than his gods. And, and so he brings in his magicians and says, can you, can you make water into blood? And the magicians, through their dark arts, they make water into blood. Which is interesting because when when Aaron showed Pharaoh the trick of throwing the staff down and it turned into a snake, the magicians did that too. And so Pharaoh at this point, he's not super impressed with these things that God is doing, although turning the Nile completely into blood was not good and it was terrible for his people. But Pharaoh will not relent. And so the plagues continue. And so in Exodus 8, 1 through 2, it says, then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs on your whole country. Now, frogs were actually pretty common in Egypt and quite often got into the houses and into things. But, but wow, <laughs> not like this. They piled up everywhere. I mean, they were on people. They were on food. They were on everything. But once again, Pharaoh brought in his magicians and they made frogs appear. And so again, Pharaoh's not impressed. Although there are too many frogs and he now begs, hey, just, just stop this whole thing. And the frogs die and they stink and pile up. And, and Pharaoh said, I'll let your people go if you stop the frogs. Well, they stopped it. But Pharaoh lied. And then come the gnats. And the gnats get on the livestock, and the gnats get on the people, and the gnats are disgusting, and, and they are everywhere. And, and then the magicians, in Exodus 8, 18, 19, it says, but when the magicians tried to produce the gnats by their secret arts, they could not. So this is the first time that the magicians tried and couldn't do it. And so now it says, since the gnats were on people and animals everywhere, the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hard and he would not listen. So now even the magicians are saying, okay, this is beyond our scope. There's something happening here bigger than just magic tricks. That this is God that's doing this. But Pharaoh's heart is hard. He still won't let them go. Then the flies come. And the flies are on everyone, everything. I, I hate just a few flies. I hate flies. 
But, but the flies are so bad that finally Pharaoh says, okay, listen, I'll let you go. Uh, but you can, you can just worship here. You know, you can just gather here. You don't have to leave and go to the wilderness. You can do it here. But they said, no, we want our three-day holiday in the wilderness to worship. So again, the plagues continue. Next, the livestock dies. The Egyptian livestock gets sick and starves and dies. And, and you can imagine how terrible that is, the stench of that. And that's followed by boils. I don't know if you've ever had a boil. I looked up pictures. I'm going to show you pictures. You don't want to see pictures. They are disgusting. And they're painful. And, and so the boils are all over the Egyptian people. But Pharaoh still won't let them go. And then comes the hail. The hail wipes out crops. It, it damages their buildings. It, it hurts when it hits them. It's these terrible storms. And the hail is followed by locusts, these little grasshopper-looking things that just devour the crops that weren't already destroyed by the hail. The locusts wipe the, wipe the rest of it out. Once the locusts are gone, you can just imagine the devastation on the land of Egypt. I mean, the people are just waiting. What is next? I mean, they've been inundated by frogs and gnats and locusts and boils and all this horrible stuff. Uh, but then number nine, the ninth plague, is darkness. For three days they have darkness. But it's not just, hey, the sun doesn't come out. This is a darkness. I want to read it to you in Exodus 10. It says, so the darkness spread over Egypt. Darkness that can be felt. No one could see anyone or move about for three days. This is like a depression type darkness. This is heavy. It's, it's evil. There's no moonlight. They can't even see each other. They, they can't move around. They're, they are frozen in this fear and this darkness for three days. And you can imagine the people of Egypt. Pharaoh's heart is hardened, but I can imagine the people of Egypt are probably like, let them go. We'll figure life out without them, but this is horrible. Uh, but Pharaoh still won't let them go. So then we get the final plague, plague number 10. Now, we talked about this back at Easter time, and the 10th plague is the death of the firstborn which leads to Passover, which leads to the Israelites being freed from slavery, which leads to this celebration year in and year out. But what a horrible, horrible plague. I want to read to you from Exodus 11, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from, from here. And when he does, he will drive you out completely. You remember I said before we started the plagues that God could have done anything for them to be free. He could have just wiped out Egypt. But I feel like there's something building here. And here Pharaoh and the people, they, they get to plague number 10 and it says, they will drive you out completely. Like they don't want you here anymore. Enough is enough. They're afraid of the people. They're afraid of of God. I mean, there, there's something happening here. Each plague is actually common things that happen in Egypt. So they're, they're used to frogs. They're used to gnats and flies. You know, they're probably even used to hail and maybe some boils, but not like this, not the intensity of this. But the other thing about the plagues is each plague represented 
and or insulted an Egyptian god. And, and so each of these, God is like saying, look, I'm better than your gods. It, you remember the magicians, how they matched each step until a certain point, and then they're like, oh, no, 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 this isn't, this isn't something we can do. This is actually God doing this. So each of these, these plagues, and here's just a few of them, the uh, blood, the, as the Nile turned to blood, there's a God named Apis, and he was the God of the Nile. And so basically God's saying, look, your God's not powerful enough. You're God of the Nile. And then the frogs, they had a God that was depicted by, by a frog head. <laughs> and so that was their God, which obviously the, the plague of the frogs represented him. Then the hail and the locust, there was, they had a, a goddess named Nut that had to do with the sky and the crops. And obviously they prayed to these so that Things were, so hail didn't come, so crops were healthy. And then darkness. They worshipped the God of the sun. And the darkness brought this heaviness, this evilness and against the God of the sun. But then the final one. They had a goddess named Isis that, that was the god of reproduction. So they, here God attacks the firstborn son. But even more than that, you see, Pharaoh was set up as a god. He was one of the gods they worshipped. But also Pharaoh's firstborn son was viewed as a god. And so in this final plague, God literally killed one of their gods, Pharaoh's son. And here the people said, enough is enough. And I, I look at this and I go, yeah, God could have just, boom, he could have set them free. But in this process, the Egyptians are stepping back and going, oh my goodness, what is going on here? And even in Numbers, it, it mentions why the plagues came. And, and this is what it says, they marched out, the Israelites, boldly in full view of the Egyptians for Yahweh had brought judgment on their gods. And so God didn't just come to set them free, he brought judgment on their gods. He wanted to show the Pharaoh in the Egyptians that he was the God, the only God. In Numbers 18, we find when Moses is talking to his father-in-law, Jethro, and he tells him of all the things that God did. Jethro said, praise be to Yahweh, who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh, and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians now. I know that Yahweh is greater than all other gods. And so here's Moses' father-in-law acknowledging that God is greater than he even imagined. And, and, and then here's what God says about it in Exodus 12, 12. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt. He's talking about, about the final plague. I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. So God is making sure that everyone in this whole situation knows who he is. He is Yahweh. He is the God that has always been, that is, and always will. No one created him. He is the all-powerful God. And here, in this 
plague after plague in this in this way that he brought about the freedom of his people he shows the egyptians and everyone around that he is the one true god so going back to this little three-day holiday that moses originally asked for that actually god told him to ask for i don't fully understand it but it is actually interesting because God promised Abraham all the way back in Genesis chapter 15 that he was going, that his people were going to be slaves for 400 years. But he said, but I will punish the nation they serve as slaves and afterward they will come out with great possessions. And so in this idea that they're leaving to go worship their God, uh, something interesting happens. And in Exodus 12, 35-38, it says this, The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people, and they gave them what they asked for. And so in doing so, they plundered the Egyptians. The Israelites are asking for this stuff with the idea that they're going to take it and then bring it back. And, and so here, take it, take it. And at this point, God's making them like, hey, you know what? You guys are powerful. There's something about you, and there's definitely something about your God. Take, take it. And what's interesting is it's almost a trick. It's a trick. And if you think about, you go back to Abraham. Do you remember Abraham? Do you remember he told the Pharaoh of Egypt way back then that his wife, Sarah, was not his wife, and so he was basically he gave his wife to the pharaoh and eventually he found out and the 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 pharaoh gave him wealth abraham walked away from this situation where he basically lied with more wealth his son isaac did the same thing with his wife and then jacob abraham's grandson he tricks his own dad isaac into the blessing his father-in-law, he tricks him and he gets more wealth when he leaves his father-in-law. It's like this generational thing, right? And now here after 430 years of slavery, the Egyptians or the Israelites walk out of Egypt with wealth beyond wealth. I mean, they are loaded with gold and silver and clothing and their livestock and everything. And it's this entire nation that's leaving with great wealth. I don't understand it, but I do know that, man, 400 years of slavery is rough. But even in that, God watched over them. Even in that, God protected them as a nation. And they grew. Remember, they were blessed and they were oppressed. And now they're finally walking out of that oppression into this great wealth. You see, God watched over his people. They became a great nation, even as slaves. And really, you can only say, I think only God can do that, right? A great nation of slaves. But they walk out of there stronger, richer, bigger, more powerful. On their last night in Egypt, in the midst of Passover, Pharaoh summons Moses and Aaron one last time. Exodus 12, 31 through 32 says, During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go, worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds of you have said and go. 
and also bless me. I just feel like that's a really powerful statement by Pharaoh. He'd been through this months of this ordeal, plague after plague after plague, and, and the disaster of it, the disaster it's left his nation in, and Pharaoh's hardened heart against the people and against God just left him in a mess. And now he's saying, go, but hey, would you bless me? Because there's something about your God. I need your God's blessing. Everybody in this situation, is, as the Israelites leave, knows one thing for sure. That the God of the Israelites is the God. He's Yahweh. He is the one that has always been. He's the one that is. And he is the one that always will be. And that's why we worship 